Welcome and bienvenidos a todos to our football podcast for Mexican women's soccer. I'm Eugene Rupinski, your host for this evening. And as always, I'm with Adriana Terrazas. Adriana, how are you this evening? We've got a Liguilla going, so I'm doing really well, Eugene. <laughs> it is the most wonderful time of the year. You know, you guys can have Christmas if you want. I'm, I'm here for the Liguilla, so... <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm just so excited to get it to get it finally started. Um, there was a lot of kind of build up, I feel like, to this one. I, I know we talked about it over the past several podcasts. Um, this one really has been one that was building up and we had a lot of teams still vying for that final spot or final spots into the last week and all that really played out uh, in kind of an entertaining fashion for, for most of us, for fans of some teams. Not quite as much, but uh, yeah, we'll get into all that um, as we go into the, the recap for this past week, and then we'll touch on some news topics and get into the Ligia. So yeah, what a uh, what a wild week. Uh, the first game of the week uh, was Toluca losing 4-1 to to America at home. Uh, you know, they went down a goal kind of early and then really just, uh, I think they tried uh, their hardest to, to get a, an equalizer couldn't quite find it in them, and that left them exposed. And America really, uh, really kind of took it to them, ending their their hopes for a comeback. They were so so close, and I think we're all rooting for them. But mm-hmm. in the end, they they just fell kind of short. Yeah, I mean, it was just one of those games we were looking out for, um, just because. Yeah, Toluca was one of like the four teams that was still with some Liguilla possibilities. Still needed, I think, at least the draw was what uh, what they were uh, what they needed, and then a combination of results. Um, so yeah, just losing immediately just left them out of the race. But I mean, still, I mean, kudos to Toluca from just coming back the way they did throughout the season. Had some issues with players on in the club that had to leave. It seemed as though it was just a disastrous start of the season. And then quite miraculously, they just came back and were a clear contender for Liguilla all the way un- until this 17th week of regular season. So um, the project's there. Hopefully they'll get some continuity for next season. And I mean, yeah, it was just, I mean, it was just, they were just like a game away, to be honest. So sadly enough, schedule wasn't too helpful for them. I mean, they, they had to end off the season against America, a clear title contender. So not, not the best way to have to, to fight for that, that Liguilla spot on week 17, but still nonetheless, really great season from Toluca. Agreed. I want to see the 30 for 30 for that. I want to see uh, some sort of deep dive documentary <laughs> on not only what went wrong, but how the team kind of rallied around each other and mm-hmm. uh, really came close to pulling off something historic. Um, yeah. Game following that was Pachuca beating Cruz Azul three to nothing. Uh, you know, we knew Pachuca was in. We knew Cruz Azul wasn't in. I think the the main thing for this, and we'll touch on this more in a bit, was Jardine Corral getting her 20th goal, setting a, a league record, becoming the first player to to hit 20. Um, so kudos to her in, in that one. Uh, then Tigres uh, beat Santos 9 to nothing. Just a tough, tough night at the office for Santos. Tigres was in, Santos was not. And um, yeah, not the way you want to end the season if you're Santos. Uh, pretty good way to go into the Liguilla if you're, if you're Tigres, though. Yeah, I mean, it was just... <laughs> It's one of those scores I thought we had like left behind. <laughs> yeah, really harkened back to to one of the first uh, couple of seasons when those two were in the same group together and Tigres would uh, would pick on them. Yeah, great. I, I mean, it was just heartbreaking to see such a result, um, especially because everything we've talked about how teams have. Yeah, there's there's still a gap between probably eight teams and the rest of the league, but it's somehow just a bit a bit closer this season. And then you start seeing the score again. You're like, oh no, not again. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that was that was an, uh, a, like a good thing to see it for week 17. To be honest. Yeah. Despite how no, how strong we know Tigres is. Yeah, and I you know I don't think it's an accurate reflection of Santos. Uh, you know I think yes, of course Tigres is is a much better team all around than Santos but uh I, I don't think Santos is nine to nothing bad I think if this was you know week five or something it, it, it would not be nearly as uh nearly as one-sided mm-hmm. um you know I, I don't know I just feel like just because it was the last game of the season and Tigres was really looking to kind of pad their stats uh you know we were talking about it last week with, uh, with goal differential being a critical factor uh, it really incentivizes teams uh, to to kind of victimize weaker teams, you know, and just not let up. So 
lots to lots to kind of unpack from that one. Um, hopefully, uh, Santos doesn't get uh, too down. Um, I, I do think that their project that they've got going on there it's it's kind of slow going, but it's it's well worth it. And this shouldn't. I hope this doesn't cause them to kind of just give up on what they've got going there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, agreed. And like I said, for Tigres, it's a good way to go into the Ligia. Uh, a lot of confidence boost uh, there. Mayor had a hat trick. Uh, Ovalle had two. And then you had uh, Derry Ramirez, sorry, uh, Mia Fischel. And I forget who the other goal scorers were. But yeah, everybody got uh, had a hand in it and a good result for them. Juarez clinched their first ever Ligia berth, beating Puebla two to nothing. Hats off to them. I know we were all kind of pulling for them to make it. Where Toluca couldn't, I, I feel like they're kind of now the the team you you really just want to see do well and, and mm-hmm. give a good account of themselves. I mean, just the way we were looking out for Toluca uh, for the first game, and then just seeing how everything else uh, started positioning itself. Because I mean, we knew we had six out of the eight teams, I believe, last week, um, but we still didn't have the, like the 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 position set right. set it still right. We, we, they could still change quite a bit. But the other teams we were looking into it was is it is Shoah's gonna make it? Is Juarez gonna make it? We were just still not entirely sure. It seemed, I mean, they had their own destiny in their hands, right? It, it just depended on them. They actually didn't have to depend on any other results. But still, I mean, Juarez had um, somewhere mid- between like I think it's around week fourteen, kind of the magic started to dissolve, mm-hmm. like kind of like it, it was. I think we were all like, oh my god, is it is this it? Are are they done? Is is there no more magic from from the Bravalacticas? Um, fortunately, there was just enough to get that last <laughs> victory um, against Puebla and make sure that they got that Liguilla ticket because it would have been such a shame after such an amazing season getting heads turned their way, um, st- seeing so many great results from a team that we were used to seeing like halfway through the standing. So um, really great to see Juarez finally make it. Uh, but yeah, we were we were worried there for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and I think. It was a good way for them to end the season, um, you know, playing in front of their home crowd, getting a 2 nothing victory against Puebla. I mean, yeah, it's Puebla, but, um, you know, a good way to to enter into your first Ligia. And, um, you know, I think they're going to give a good account of themselves. Uh, you know, we'll kind of get into our predictions and and all that here in a bit. But uh, I feel like they're they're kind of looking good going in into the uh, into the postseason. Uh, and then for, for me, the, the game of the week. Uh, was Tijuana beating Chivas one to nothing? Uh, was watching that, that was game. Killer! Yeah, oh my it, god! Tijuana was really just going after them, going after them, and Chivas held on for dear life for ninety minutes. And then <laughs> at the end, that goal, you know, in the what was it, the ninety ninety second minute? Yeah. Um, Dani Espinosa getting a header in past. Uh, I think it was a header in past Blanca Felix to put Tijuana into the Ligia and to uh, to sink my Pumas, uh, preventing them from getting in. Uh, I was very happy for, for Tijuana. I was <laughs> heartbroken for Pumas, you know, but uh, all in all for, for fans of, of Cholos, uh, for fans of, you know, really just the league, what a game. Mm-hmm. What a uh, what a story for Tijuana to kind of pull that out. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. What, what were your thoughts on on it? I mean, it's for, for 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 people who can't imagine what goes on when you have to write about a game and you're looking into it. So whenever you get like the 80th minute, you kind of think nothing else could ha- happen. You're like, oh, if they made it this far. It's probably going to stay that way. We're going to have a draw. I can <laughs> I can start imagining how I'm going to write my article and just imagine like. Um, how I'm going to start off and just say, and then I'm going to add how many points, whatever Chivas needed and Cholos, and you start looking at that. And then we have like a goal at the 90 something minute. It's like, <laughs> you have to start all over. There's a small scream inside of us that it's just, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like a Homer Simpson cry, you know, like an, ah! <laughs> uh-huh. um, so yeah, that was kind of what was going on inside my head when that goal from Danny Espinosa came and I was like, Oh my God, are you kidding? Cause I mean, it, it seemed possible like throughout the game. It's just one of the things like, you, like any, it, it could have happened, but you're just like expecting it. Like, nah, it would have happened already. We're good to go. But no, it, it um, yeah, <laughs> it just yeah. surprises all. But again, I mean, I'm also really happy for Cholos because um, despite the fact that, yeah, it would be awesome to see them make it even further in the Liguilla, they are still one of those teams that are 
constantly making it to Liguilla. So they're, they're keeping the project alive. They're there. They're getting some uh, like good performances throughout several seasons and not only through one. Mm-hmm. So it seems as though things are going well over there. But yeah, again, they were they were struggling those last minutes and they finally got the victory. And I am so sad for your Pumas. <laughs> I really hope they have a better season uh, next semester. Uh, yeah, and the worst part is that they... they... <laughs> Pumas needed Cholos Femenil to not win. Uh, a draw or a loss would have served them well. And then all they had to do was beat Nakaxa and they would have been in. They did beat Nakaxa, but by that time, Tijuana had already clinched. You know, like I said, I can't be mad at Tijuana. I can't be mad at them. Um, what a way to clinch a spot. What a way to, you know, just kind of end your season. Um I don't think many people gave them a chance against Chivas. It was kind of like a throwaway. It was kind of, well, they're not going to win, and they're just going to have to hope that somebody else loses. And uh, yeah, they really flipped the script on a lot of us, myself included. And maybe that was my own wishful thinking. Um, but uh, yeah, hats off to them, and and you know, I'll be I'll be pulling for them in in the Ligia. Pumas did go out uh, the next day and beat Nakaxa one to nothing. Um. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not sure how they got out of bed for that one. Uh, but they yeah. did, and um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you have anything else. I don't really want to talk about it. <laughs> I was. I was just looking at how <laughs> how many games had to go by for Chivas to lose again. Uh, their last loss was March 24th uh, for the Clásico against América. So they had, they had a pretty good streak. I mean, I think yeah. I don't want to think they were overconfident. Uh, but definitely when you're looking at the 90 if 90 something minutes um you kind of think okay we're gonna just we're gonna get a draw that they had their, their place in the liguilla um already said it was just a matter of knowing what position they were going to be in mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean yeah i mean kudos to, to Shodos because they really do take advantage of of their home games as well and it, it was really great for them to to get that victory despite how much they struggled in the end and how surprised it was yeah yeah um, you know, Pumas uh, did release, I think, five or six players after um, after that. We got the news uh, late last night and into this morning, uh, at least my time. And um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they kind of do for, for next season. Another team that just announced that they had released 10 players was Mazatlan. Uh, this on the heels of a two to nothing loss at home against Queretaro to end their season. Um you know, just a, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. There's there's a lot that can be said about um, about the season that was for Mazatlan. Uh, but, you know, I, I think really the numbers uh, on it speak for themselves. Mm. They set uh, records. They set the wrong kind of records, the records that you don't want. Um, they conceded. Uh, they had the worst goal differential at minus 54, uh, the fewest points at five, the fewest goals scored at six, and the most goals conceded at 60 in a, at 6-0, 6-D, in a season uh, since they went to single table, and that's not including the season that was shortened by COVID. Just, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, they released 10 players. They're going to start looking for a new technical staff. Um mm-hmm. But yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what. Yeah, to, it's just. I mean, it's not the kind of record you want to set, and you like not even close because, like, it, just just the numbers were just terrible. I mean, you don't want to be the team that has the worst defense, uh, but you definitely even worse than that is just by how far they were like against the. I mean, with with the next team that was just as bad. Um, it was. It was. Uh, it's just what we don't want to see in the league at all. Like in every single sense, it was. Um, lack of of support to the players, to a project, disregarding any support they could actually give the team to make it competitive in any way. Uh, they ended up last in the standings as well. Um, it, it's just again, it's nobody wants to be last, but no, definitely nobody wants to be last by that much a difference. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully somehow the league will try to intervene as much as it can because obviously they can't do everything they they can. Um, tell the clubs what to do, but they can definitely get some conversations going to see if they can start to push that project in the right direction. Yeah, I mean something has to change there. Uh, you yeah. know, you can bring in you can bring in players, you can bring in a new technical staff, um, 
But, you know, I think I tweeted out something. It's kind of like trying to grow grass on concrete. Uh, you know, if, the, mm-hmm. if there's not a uh, structure there to support the players and the staff and the project, you know, what what are you what are you even doing? Yeah, um, it doesn't matter what players you bring. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know uh, if there if there is a silver lining or a ray of hope, maybe that maybe a ray of hope is the better phrase. If there's a ray of hope, it's that. We've seen the the sort of turnaround from other teams. We we've seen Juarez do this. Um, you know, it wasn't too long ago where Juarez was uh, the team that wound up with you know at the bottom of the table and uh, was just kind of a punching bag for the for the rest of the league. And uh, here they are making Ligia. So hopefully Mazatlan can can take from that and uh, follow that uh, follow that example. Yeah, I mean we, we've talked about this as well. It's not a matter of having the largest investments. It's not a matter of bringing in foreign players. It's more of having an actual project and just seeing seeing it through um, in the season. I mean, Juarez is the best example. Fortunately, we have such a really solid example as Juarez mm-hmm. this season. So if, if you just look into what they did, again, not bringing in really expensive players, not having huge investments like you usually see in Tigres, maybe America, et cetera. Um, you'll see it's not entirely about that. So it's not because, hey, I'm, I'm a smaller club. I just don't have the funds for that. It's just and I, I, I can't do it. It's not because of that. It's just a matter of understanding the competition, bringing in a solid coach that has, has a really bad, like a really um, a good project that goes along with the identity of the club. Mm-hmm. And then just make like following it through, just making sure that it actually it takes place during the season. It might take more than a season. And you have to be aware of that sometimes. So um, hopefully we'll start seeing that for next season, for Mazatlan, for Necaxa, and even for Puebla. Yeah, well, I, I hope so. Um, you know, I, I understand that everybody or every season is going to have a team in last place. Um, but uh, when you look at how far behind everybody else Mazatlan was, um, mm-hmm. even, you know, teams that that sorely need improvement like Necaxa and Puebla, um it's they're just on a whole nother level and yeah i hope i hope they uh i hope they can pull it together um yeah agreed so moving on uh we saw atlas draw leon two to two i was a little surprised uh by this i thought uh atlas would have done better uh but i feel like they kind of let leon hang around and uh you know it was mariana laroquete that got the the equalizing goal in the 66th minute i think it was and then that was kind of it. They uh, uh, neither team was able to really do much of anything from there. Atlas goes into the Ligia on a on a draw against a team that's not making the Ligia. Um, yeah, it's going to be a little little difficult for them. Uh, but mm-hmm. you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, maybe they can take some some things away from that. Yeah, I mean, looking at the standings, I think probably all the way up to Leon are the teams that I'm confident. Maybe with a few tweaks during the offseason, changing some players um, could probably do really well next season as well. Um, after Leon, like Querétaro, uh, San Luis, Santos, Cruz Azul, Puebla, Necaxa, Mazatlán, like we were speaking, um, I think only we'll a, bit, a bit more than just a few tweaks. But I yeah. think with some of them, you you do see the foundations of something that can be done with some more than others, right? But um, but yeah, def- I think all the way until Leon. I think it's just like it's there, you know, the potential is there. So it's only a matter of of making sure that you do a couple changes for next season. Yeah, probably um try to bring in some players for some key positions. And I can't I can't see all those teams, even though it's um what is it, eleven teams competing fairly for, for next season. So hopefully that'll be the case. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I think Leon is one of those teams that's uh that's really close. They're you know, like mm-hmm. Toluca um like Pumas I mean obviously Toluca and Pumas were a little bit more dramatic um in their endings of the season than Leon but uh you know Leon's kind of in that same category they're right there maybe another smart signing or two um maybe even just kind of allowing the group that they have to gel and um you know learn from from these mistakes uh you know would be enough to kind of push them over the hump yeah. Um, but we'll see. We'll we'll see kind of what happens. I you know I, if I'm a Leon fan, I'm kind of encouraged <laughs> by by this, and I'm I'm feeling okay about how things went this season. Obviously, you're disappointed not to make it, uh, yeah. but you look at it and go, well, 
it's been a lot worse uh, for, for a few seasons and uh, <laughs> we're kind of right there. So, you know, it's got to be encouraging. And then the last game was uh, Monterrey uh, becoming super leader, beating San Luis four to two. Um, Monterrey uh, let San Luis back into the game. It was two to two at halftime, I think. Uh, and then Christina Birkenrode just said, uh-uh, and uh, had a brace after the half and put uh, Monterrey on top of the table. They've got home field advantage throughout the Liguilla. San Luis, though, uh, signs that things are um, starting to come apart at the seams there. Um, the status of Bea Parra and Marta Perano are still kind of uncertain. Um, Parra played 66 minutes against Rayadas. Perano, we haven't seen her since week 13. I don't remember if she's injured or not. Uh, but there was a fan letter that was circulating yesterday uh, calling for the removal of Fernando mm-hmm. Samayoya. Uh, by fans of San Luis. So it's looking like it's going to be a very tumultuous offseason there in San Luis Potosi. Yeah, agreed. Um, I mean, just just because, like, I mean, we'll probably talk about this in in a few minutes, but just how how quickly teams are taking, are making decisions regarding players uh, for next season. We're we're seeing it with Pumas. We saw it with Cruz Azul. We're seeing it with Mazatlan. I mean, it's not that we don't want them to take steps in the right direction. I'm just not entirely sure if like two days after getting eliminated is the best way to go with this. Um, you probably, I'm guessing you probably need way more time to actually analyze each player, the circumstances they were in, understand how much it's a, a player issue, whether or not maybe a club issue, maybe something with the staff. I mean, it just seems as though they're taking like, they're making rash, deci- rash decisions and just, I don't know, changing things as they come and not, taking things as seriously as I think they should. So, I mean, we usually see this with, with clubs everywhere. You'll have days, maybe sometimes even weeks before you look into the changes in the roster because you, I mean, yeah, I'm guessing you want to talk to the players as well. You want to know what, what, what they want. You want to know if you can count on them, if they're looking into switching teams. I don't know, but it, it it's just kind of like weird to see all these players leave so suddenly and so quickly. I mean, not even a week after playing. So it's not the, like, the behavior I would expect from some of the clubs. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the thing with, with San Luis at least is it's still uncertain. We're still unsure. I mean, they had the interview last week. I think it was with the two players who were like, yeah, we haven't been offered contracts. Um, you know, and that's just kind of weird. It seems like they want to stay there. Um, uh, maybe, I don't know. I, you know, I would think, Oh, maybe they would offer them a contract at, at after the, evaluating their full seasons but mm-hmm. you know we haven't seen Arnau play in uh, in the final four weeks uh I don't know you know I don't know from that you know what I mean like if yeah. if they really wanted to evaluate her put her in against Monterey and say okay well play play for your job let's see what you can do even though that's kind of cruel and messed up um it's better than you know I I don't know I feel like it's just it's just such a weird situation there and uh, who knows? Who knows? Maybe yeah, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to speculate what's going on there. It's just. It's super weird, and hopefully there's some sort of some sort of resolution that that mm-hmm. becomes apparent sooner rather I, than later. I'm guessing we'll probably understand it when we can look back and when there's a final decision regarding roster, um, technical staff, and then that's when we'll probably look back and understand if this was the right way to go about it or not. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe that's, you know, maybe that's what they're waiting for. Maybe they're waiting to make a decision on the technical staff before they make player decisions. You yeah. Know? Um, and, and I think it, I think that's going to tell us a lot about where ownership thinks the problem lies. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if, if for me, if they get rid of the technical staff first, then that says that they felt like it was a problem with the technical staff and not nearly as much of the blame should fall on the players. If they start getting rid of players, to me, that's that signals that the technical staff will remain. And Mm -hmm. uh, the club has, you know, at least some confidence in that staff to continue the project into next season. That's how I would read the, um, the, the situation, but you know, that I'm, I'm not anybody. I'm just a guy with a microphone. Right. So what do I know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, we'll see. Hindsight is, um, 2020 so we'll, we'll we'll see um hopefully they'll surprise us i guess in a good way <laughs> i get the feeling we will be surprised uh no matter what and not, not in such a good way yeah i know <laughs> i'm just gonna be optimistic <laughs> yep it's it's uh it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to watch for for better or for worse yeah um, 
So yeah, so that was the week that was. We will touch on uh, the Ligia, preview the Ligia upcoming, as well as talk about some more news uh, right after. And we are back to take a look at the Ligia. Um, we've got four matchups. Uh, I'm excited for kind of all of them. The uh, we'll, we'll take a look at we'll take a look at them as how they're going to be broadcast at least on the first day. Starts off with Pachuca hosting Chivas, uh, number five hosting number four. I'm excited for this one. Um, Pachuca scored more than anybody else um, uh, in the league this season, 54 goals. Uh, you know, with uh, Charlene having 20 and Jenny Hermoso having 18. Chivas, however, uh, you know, they look really solid defensively. They let in only 16 goals while scoring 40 themselves. Um, I think it's going to be an interesting matchup. I, I, I think just the way that these two teams kind of play is really going to be uh, conducive for this being an entertaining series. Uh, but what do you think? I was, um, I mean, I'm so happy for Pachuca just because of how well they've been doing throughout the season. And it's, it was amazing to see so much support for Charlene in the last game and everyone rooting for her to get to 20 goals. Um, and then she finally did. I mean, we talked about it in the, in the last pod, um, how possible it was for her to actually reach those 20 goals. And now that she has, and I mean, despite the fact that Pachuca is fifth, it seems as though they're, they're a lot stronger than that, you know? So yeah. looking into that, that match against against Chivas. Oh man, <laughs> uh, I'm a Chivas fan. I'm I'm I won't I wouldn't say I'm scared. I am just maybe just slightly concerned. <laughs> um, yeah. It does seem as though it is the tightest match. I mean, obviously the fourth versus fifth is the closest match you're going to get. But just looking the way Pachuca is coming in, um, and no understanding also how close. I mean, how good Chivas has been, but the fact that they didn't beat Cholos. I mean, emotionally, they're they're at opposite ends, right? You have one team that was not overconfident, but probably did expect to get at least another win uh, for the end of the season, like Chivas. Uh, they didn't. And then Pachuca just coming in with a leading goal scorer, who just, by the way, scored 20 goals, which is more than I think about like six of the teams in the entire league. So, <laughs> yeah, um, really close call for that game. Really, really close. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, something that's maybe lost on this matchup is that Chivas could have been the super leader. Uh, if they had beaten Cholos, like we kind of expected them to do, they would have had 40 mm-hmm. points. They would have been in first place. And uh, yeah, we wouldn't be talking about this series. It'd be, it would be looking quite different, uh, but uh, they didn't. I think this is, um, you know, and, and Pachuca too, really, you know, they kind of shot themselves in, a, in the foot a couple times this season, could have finished a lot higher than they did. Um, I think these are two really, really strong teams. Uh, I'm kind of kind of sad that we're not going to see this a little later on in the uh, in the tournament, uh, be just because of how good they both are. It's a shame one of them is going to have to exit after the first round. Uh, but this one's going to be fun. I, you know, as somebody who's not really rooting for either of them, I'm going to enjoy it. It's, it's going to be a great series between two really good teams. So. Well, yeah, it's because you're not rooting for them that you can <laughs> enjoy it. <laughs> it's the silver lining of my team not actually making it to the league. I'm, I'm not invested in anybody succeeding or failing. It's, you know. Yeah, just enjoying. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Good luck to both of the teams. Um, you know, the next series would be Atlas and Tigres. Uh, Atlas in seventh, Tigres in second. Um, I... Yeah, this one worries me. Um, Tigres has a history of bullying their first round opponent in the Ligia. They come in off of a, you know, like we talked about, a nine to nothing win. Atlas kind of limps in. They uh, they got a draw against Leon. And um, yeah, they let in a lot of goals. They are the only, uh, well, them and Cholos uh, are the only teams in the Ligia with a negative goal differential. They let in more than anybody else in the Ligia, letting in 33. Uh, Tigres, meanwhile, has scored 48 and let in only 13 over the regular season. This one this one could get really ugly, but Atlas, they've, they've always seemed to have a surprise or two up their sleeves, so... Yeah, great. It seems as though, despite the difference in the standings, um, I agree. I think Atlas has enough experience with the Guillas um, to know what they're probably going to face against Tigres. Tigres not being 
I mean, yeah, they're, they're, I mean, it's Tigres, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's not the, the best Tigres we've, we've seen in a while. It's probably the weakest Tigres we've seen, I'm guessing, since like the second semester of Liga Mex Femenil. Despite that, again, it is Tigres. Like even, even a weak Tigres is still stronger than like 16 teams in the league. <laughs> so, um, so, but yeah, despite that, it seems as though Atlas could have some advantage or just some insight into what to expect for that game. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have to laugh that, that, you know, this, like you said, this is kind of the weakest Tigres team that we've ever seen. And they're still in second place. They, uh, they still scored, uh, they still came out with 38 points uh, on the season. Uh, so that's uh, really a testament to them and the project they've got going on there. Yeah. I just, uh, I think Atlas is going to put up a fight, but I don't know. I, I know, I, <laughs> I know before this started, I was talking about how I'm not the guy that you make a lot of predictions, but I think, uh, you know, I, I just don't see, I don't see Atlas uh, going through on this one. I, I'd be happy to be proven wrong on it, but um, yeah, we will, we will see. The, uh, the third series is going to be, uh, this one's going to be a good one too. Juarez against America, Las Brave Lactas making their debut in the Liguilla against an America team that, uh, I think they kind of fooled me, maybe us. I don't know. Um, in the, in the early part of the season, I was like, ah, I think they've lost a step, but uh, they really turned it on over the the second half of the season. Wound up in third place uh, with thirty seven points. Um, yeah, they are they are a tough tough team. Uh, it's going to be uh, quite something else for them to host uh, another playoff game in the Azteca. Um, but they they got to go to Juarez first, and that is not an easy ask. I'm I just regret that Juarez <laughs> faces America at this point. <laughs> I mean, just it, like whoever they face was going to be a challenge, right? So um, I just hope they make it as complicated as possible for America, despite the fact that obviously America is the clear favorite, just because of how much experience they have. They're actually they're they're Liga MX uh, titles. They have a title uh, within Liga MX Femenil. Uh, Juarez first Liguilla, so it's like opposite ends, right? But still, I just hope that Juarez just brings up again that magic that we saw the first few weeks of regular season, where they were giving the bigger teams, you know, a run like for their money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I look at this and I can see Juarez pulling out an upset. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's going to happen, uh, but if it does happen, I, I can see that. Uh, I, I give them probably the the best chance of any of the teams um well i don't know if you consider pachuca i consider pachuca and chivas like even so i don't know how much of a upset that would be but you know atlas beating tigres would be a big upset tijuana beating rayadas would be a very big upset juarez against america would be an upset too but i i feel like i can see that happening more than i could see atlas beating tigres or uh cholos femenil beating uh, rayadas yeah agreed I, I could see that as well i i'm I'm definitely not um, against or just thinking that it's totally impossible for, for Juarez to just keep on going on this amazing Cinderella story. Um, I do think that like the, the potential is there, the talent is there. And if they made it this far, uh, they can definitely, um, they could definitely surprise America and every one of us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, uh, that's one of the good things about teams that have never made it to the Ligia. They don't know that they're supposed to be scared and they don't know that they're supposed to, uh, um, you know, kind of go in facing uh, facing the sword or whatever it is. And uh, yeah, maybe they just kind of go in and, and play their game and recapture some of the magic they had earlier in the mm-hmm. season. And uh, yeah, I, I think either way, it's going to be a fun series. And uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to see a playoff crowd in Juarez, you know? Yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah, and definitely a great way to show their support after such an amazing season would be to know that you have even extra support Um during the Liguilla. Yeah, for sure. And then the final series is uh, Tijuana hosting uh, Rayadas first, and then it returns to Monterrey. Um, ah, yeah, uh, I, I'm happy Tijuana made it. Um, I, I think they've got a lot to prove. Rayadas is so good, though. They have been so, <laughs> they've just been so good all season long. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not saying it's impossible um, but yeah, it just, they've just been so good. Like it's hard to overlook the quality. <laughs> I'm not saying it's impossible, out. but <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's you know, complicated. Let's just it's, leave it at that. It's super complicated. I mean, you know, just kind of looking at goal differential over the season, Rayadas is plus 31. Tijuana's minus five. Uh, that's, you know, that's a pretty yeah. good indication. 
of, um, you know, which team is the strongest, you know, I mean, if it was, you know, 31 to, to 28 or something like that. Okay. That's, you know, a couple goals here and there. That's not the biggest, but uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's a lot. And I don't know, stranger things have happened. You know, they do play the first leg in Tijuana. Uh, we saw what that can, you know, what that home field advantage can do for Cholos Femenil. Uh They use it to their full advantage against Chivas this past week. Um, they'll also have the luxury of staying in Tijuana, resting up and not having to fly, um, you know, out, uh, on the first leg, they'll be able to kind of just stay and train, uh, where they're comfortable and host, uh, Rayadas, uh, before heading out there on Monday. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to all of these. Um, I think the best viewing for me is going to be Pachuca versus Chivas. Uh, mm-hmm, definitely series um but yeah all four of them all four of them look good it's not like uh seasons past where it was uh you know you look at at you know at least one of the the matchups and go yeah tigres is gonna win this it's just a you know they're gonna they're gonna devour cruises who it's just gonna be how <laughs> by how much um, yeah you know and then they then they go out eight to nothing on the aggregate or something um i don't I, i'm not saying that's not going to happen but i I think the likelihood of that actually happening this uh, this tournament is pretty low. Yeah, agreed. I think we're starting to see a bit more consistency with some of the some of the scores. But again, it is Liga Mex Femenina, and stranger things have happened. So, <laughs> um, yeah, just be on the lookout for any surprises. Yeah, yeah. Any any final thoughts on the Liga before we uh, hop over to the news? Um, no, I mean, eager to see it. Um, I think it's what we're here for. <laughs> Even better. Uh, games that we saw in regular season uh way more intensity and just teams reaching their peak hopefully yeah yeah for sure um it's it's gonna be fun and um yeah i'm just i'm so looking forward to it um so going into the news uh we had the draw for the the women's gold cup uh, earlier today um I think it caught you and I both a little bit by surprise. <laughs> I mean, there's just so much stuff going on today. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, of all the days they could have had this, uh, today was just inconvenient for me. And uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's really what it comes down to. It was inconvenient. Yeah. For me. I um, think for I mean, we have, we have Ligi on the men's side. We have FIFA logo reveal at the same time. We have uh, a f- first leg of the final for expansion. Um, we had champions league games midday. Um, it, it, yeah, it's, it's busy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the draw was held earlier today. And so group a is going to be in group a and league a, this is going to get super confusing real fast. Um, league I, a, I, I think CONCACAF got confusing ever since we got the leagues. It's CONCACAF. <laughs> I would be suspicious if it wasn't confusing. true. Uh, true. I'd be like, what are they trying to pull? What's the catch here? Um, so for League A, which is the nine top-ranked teams, Group A is going to consist of Mexico, Trinidad and Tobago, and Puerto Rico. Uh, Group B will be either Canada or Jamaica, Panama and Guatemala. And Group C will be Costa Rica, Haiti, and St. Kitts and Nevis. Um, uh, just in case someone's wondering why Group B of League A is either Canada or Jamaica, it depends on who loses the... Uh, the play-in for the Olympic uh, for the Olympic Games. So whoever loses has to play uh, the turn the qualifying tournament for Gold Cup. Yeah, and that's yeah. um, I like that they're doing that. I like that it's yeah. not just a like it like it has been for so long where it's okay if you don't make the Olympics, well, we'll see you again in four years. Um, so this is this is good. It's good to see that the national teams are going to be convened and forced maybe not forced that's not not a good word but the national teams are going to be convened and we'll have something to play for yeah agreed um, I, I i like i like how i, I mean how everything is evolving with with women's tournaments um definitely still yeah a bit confusing you still have to look at like the press releases for a while and be like oh so that's where those teams are coming from <laughs> it takes a while but it's getting there and obviously the best thing is that they're trying to keep as many teams involved as possible so um i don't mind dedicating a, a few more minutes to understanding how the system works just because we know it definitely is um it's benefiting everyone and in just increasing level in the entire region agreed agreed you know and i think part of the reason it's so confusing um beyond my own 
limitations is that it's new, right? And it's not something that we've really had to think through before and and deal with. Um, you know, so we're kind of learning on the fly as we go with this. And um, hopefully the next time they do this, uh, we'll be able to remember, oh, yeah, right, okay, that's that's why there's a play in game. And that's why, you know, group B or whatever it is has, uh, you know, it could be one team or another, um, you know. So, yeah, so it's either Canada uh, or Jamaica and the United States will be missing out on this because they will be going uh, to the Olympics. Yeah. Um, and then we'll just run down real quick the other leagues. Uh, League B, uh, this is the next 12 uh, best-ranked teams. Uh, Group A is going to be Guyana, Antigua and Barbuda, uh, Suriname and Dominica. Group B will be El Salvador, Nicaragua, Honduras and Martinique. And Group C will be the Dominican Republic, Bermuda, St. Vincent and the Grenadines and Barbados. Um, should be should be good viewing for for all of that. Um, and then League C, which is the 14 remaining teams, uh, it's going to be Group A of Belize, Aruba, Turks and Caicos, and Bonaire. Uh, group B will be Cuba, St. Lucia, Guadalupe, and St. Martin. Group C will be the U.S. Virgin Islands, Grenada, and the Bahamas. And Group D will be Curaçao, the Cayman Islands, and Anguilla. So, yeah, I, I'm excited to see this, I'm excited that these uh, confederations who tend to go dormant um, all but for a few months every four years will be mm-hmm. given uh, incentive to not go dormant. Uh, they'll need to put forth a team and, um, you know, have these uh, players report to camp and uh, try and do something. Um, I'm excited for that. I think it'll be good for the confederation as a whole. Um, you know, my my firm belief with this as in all things is that a rising tide lifts all boats. And the more that these teams in League B and League C become better, it's going to make the teams at the top become better, which is going to make the teams who aren't even playing like the United States and either Canada or Jamaica have to be even better because they're going to have to face better teams in Mexico and Panama and, you know, on down the list. Yeah, agreed. I think, I mean, like you were mentioning, just keeping these teams on their toes and making sure they have constant activity, whether it's for qualifying for the World Cup, whether it's for the gold, for the new Gold Cup. Um, it's just one of those ways to make sure that the entire region starts growing. Obviously, um, we would have loved to have skipped this tournament because it means we, we might have been qualified for the World Cup and then <laughs> things would have been entirely different. And no, I am still, um, yeah, that still hurts and stings. It does. Um, yeah, so we have six CONCACAF teams going to the World Cup. I think it's six. Um, it's, yeah, five or, five or six, I forget which, but um, yeah, it's... Uh, enough. <laughs> not, uh, we, well, we needed one more. We needed... Oh, um, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, sad, sad to say, but I mean, let's just, I mean, keep our heads high, understand that this is exactly what we need. We need growth. We need to make sure that we're competing. We're up to... the to the level of the rest of the region, which is obviously growing and it's probably going to grow more with, with everything that goes on in this qualifying tournament and in the gold cup uh, next year. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see some of the teams as well, start to get to know them, understand what kind of players are coming in, identity, personality. So I'm still, yeah, looking forward to understanding and getting to know some of these teams because obviously um, so many of them, one of the issues is we can't even follow them. We don't know who they are, how they play. Um, because it's so difficult to 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 follow them, so that'll uh, this will that'll be solved as well with with this tournament. Yeah, um, you know, I think one of the best things about the Concacaf W tournament uh, that just happened for the World Cup uh, qualification was getting to know teams like Suriname. Um, you know, I'd yeah. never seen them play before, and getting to understand, uh, you know, the history of Suriname and you know why they, you know didn't have a whole lot of uh, dual national players, which has become kind of a staple for, um, you know, so many teams around the world and understanding why that's changing and all that kind of stuff, you know, just these sorts of knowledge points and stories that you get into when you face um, a team that you may not face otherwise, you know, it's not like Mexico and Suriname really played a lot before. I don't know if they had ever played one another before, you know? So like, that's that's kind of cool and getting to see uh how they're going to stack up against Trinidad and Tobago and Puerto Rico. You know, Puerto Rico is another good story. They yeah. um you know, they put a lot of effort into identifying um 
I'm trying to be very careful with my words here. It's not necessarily dual nationals because they're all U.S. citizens, but maybe biculturalism. Maybe. Well, but player players who could play for either the United States and Puerto mm, or I Puerto see. Rico. Players that yeah. could play for either the United States or Puerto Rico, and making a pitch to them, and you know, getting them on board and strengthening the 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 Puerto Rican squad uh, through those means, um, you know, and building themselves up that way. You know, it's it's exciting times uh, as far as I'm concerned in Concacaf to see these teams um, really start to awaken um, and and put yeah. thought and effort into building. Uh, good programs and how that's going to push everyone else to be better. Yeah, agreed. It's just part of the intention of what CONCACAFW is doing. And I think we're all in for it, just expecting to see growth. We're obviously understanding that this is just starting, but definitely um, eager to see what, what we can start um, expecting from these teams. And obviously, I mean, they'll have time to, to improve. I mean, just getting the ticket to the Gold Cup, you'll still have about at least four months to make it to the gold cup so still keep on preparing and that's again that's going to keep teams on their toes so some of these teams um aren't going to the world cup either so it'll just keep these teams in constant activity constant competition and that's just the best thing for everybody yeah for sure uh so i'm going through the the competition format uh let's see the preliminary oh, luck with that <laughs> yeah um I'll try and make this as short and as uncomplicated as I can. Uh, the the preliminaries uh, are on February seventeenth in twenty twenty four, so they've got teams have a a, a good uh, long run up uh, to this. Looks like uh, it's all going to be hosted in the United States. Uh, the group stage will be uh, February twentieth through the twenty eighth, um, and then you'll have the knockout stage March second through the tenth. Um, you know, with, uh, the final will be on Sunday, March 10th. And, um, yeah, it's, 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 like I said, it's just going to be good to see <laughs> these teams playing. And, and you know what? We forgot to even mention that there's going to be, uh, Conmebol teams participating oh, yeah. in this, in the, so they're going to be in the group stage. This once, once the playoffs are, I'm sorry, the play-in stages are done. Um, that's when the United States and the Olympic uh, playoff team will join as well as the Conmebol nations of Brazil, Colombia, Argentina, and Paraguay. So it'll be super fun to have them in there. And uh, it's going to be a lot of really good competition. Yeah, agreed. I think it's it's going to be pretty exciting to see. Um, I mean, just starting off with, with the World Cup in a couple of months. Wait, no, August? Yeah, well, again, yeah, three months. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> And just keep on going because we're not going to stop after that. So I think, again, that's pretty exciting because we don't have any competitions right now. We have most of the teams are still preparing for the actual World Cup. But then after that, like the entire women's soccer is just going to keep on going. The inertia is going to be there um, to start seeing this constant activity. So definitely um, really interesting to see what's what's going to happen with all those clubs, I mean, with all those teams. And yeah, just start analyzing, getting to know them, um, rooting for them. and And we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm excited for it. And it's not often that we get to say this, but uh, good job, CONCACAF. You, yeah. They did They did well with this. Um, for, for as much stuff as they seem to not get right, uh, I feel like they got this one. Uh, they got this one really spot Yeah, it's on. a huge effort as well. So, I mean, yeah. I can't imagine how difficult it must have been to deal with some of the federations that didn't have such a strong project or maybe nothing to go with um, and just bring them in and, and get getting them on board and making sure that this happens for everybody. Yeah. Can't wait for them to, to put that same sort of energy into a club world cup or a club, uh, CONCACAF, uh, tournament, a, uh, a women's CCL, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, hopefully, hopefully that will be, uh, soon. Um, any other news items, any other, eh, anything? Um, I mean, we touched in on San Luis fans, angry fans, um, Rayadas, Charlene getting those, those record 20 goals. Um, by the way, amazing graphics and just artwork from so many accounts following the league. It was just really great to see um, all that expectation surrounding Charlene and getting those 20 goals, um, just setting a new, a new goal-scoring record for the league, which was amazing and understanding it's Charlene and it's someone that has done so much for, for women's soccer in Mexico. It was just amazing to have her um, get that. I mean, obviously, every single player will say, I'd rather have a Liga MX title 
rather than just be a leading goal scorer. But still, I mean, it's just great to see her um, just have that amazing tournament with Pachuca after she's dealt with injuries, coming into Mexico, getting adjusted to the league. Uh, I mean, she was Pichichi in Spain, and now she ha- she can say she was Pichichi in Liga MX. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, you know, and this may be a- another topic for another time, but I wonder, you know, would there be would the significance be the same if it had been Jenny Hermoso, um, you know, a-, a Spaniard or a non-Mexican player, uh, become the first to hit twenty? I mean, we've been we we've we've had the kind of countdown before um, and we've seen players get close, but uh, Jarlene was the first one to actually get to 20. Um, and, you know, and I just, I wonder if that it would have been different had it have been um, Jenny Armoso or Mia official or somebody, you know, and that's not any disrespect to either Mia or Jenny or anyone else, but um, you know, does it make it that much, does it make it that much better that the first one to do it was Jarlene? Um, I think it does make it better because, again, because of what she represents, how she came into the league, what was expected of her. Um, it's just, I mean, it would have been amazing if, if, if Jenny Hermoso got it as well, just because of everything that was expected from her when she came in. Uh, she came in with an injury, but still, I think she's Spain's leading school scorer. Um, so, I mean, it, it's amazing just because of what they're, what, what, what they meant to the league coming coming in from Spain, both of them. So yeah, yeah I just it's it's just a little extra that it's Charlene, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, it's 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 uh it's it's good for her. It's good for the league uh, to have this. Um, just another another really good. Uh, you know, I, I feel like sometimes we get bogged down with some of the bad that's happened uh, in the mm-hmm. league. Um, and it's it's another. Thing that really kind of was good uh for for this past season and, and to be fair there was a lot of good uh from from Liga Mekis Femenil this past season yeah I agree um, you know so that, I think that might also be one of the reasons that uh there's so much uh buzz and excitement going into the Ligia is because of um you know you don't want the party to end right uh we yeah. had a we had a great tournament and um yeah it's it's going to be fun uh for the next few weeks to see it uh come come to its uh natural conclusion yeah um, agreed any any final thoughts any final anything before we uh head into the night um no i mean just give us um your best shot at who you think is going to make it through quarterfinals for liga makes femenil um and just keep up with the content as we've always asked you to <laughs> yeah yeah and you know if you and your team also didn't make it into the ligia let's commiserate hit me up on twitter like i'm uh i'm still i'm still sad right i'm still sad that that pumas didn't make it but i'm excited <laughs> to, for the eight teams that did and you know if you're uh like me rooting for one of the other 10 teams uh yeah we can we can talk we can we can commiserate <laughs> so uh, but, you know, in the meantime, keep up with the content, keep up with the hashtag uh, Liga MX, F-E-M-E-N-G, because at the end of the day, it is our football. Thank you all so much. And we will see you next week.